الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذ ابتلى إبراهيم ربه بكلمات فأتمهن قال إني جائدك للناس إماما قال ومن ذريتي قال لا ينال وحد الظالمين صدق الله العظيم my dear respected, most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, uh, we begin humbly by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for once again enabling us with this unique and wonderful opportunity to congregate in, uh, in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we pray that Allah azza wa jal will continue to facilitate these kinds of opportunities for us in the future inshallah every week alhamdulillah i'm seeing more and more new faces mashallah who have joined us for the first time allah accept your attendance here today um, and allah make this beneficial for you the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would often encourage his companions uh, to make the dua, Allahumma anfa'na bima'allamtana. That, oh Allah, grant that knowledge that you have given me, make it benefit me. Wa'allimna ma'yanfa'una. And that knowledge that, uh, and teach me that beneficial knowledge. Wazidna ilma, uh, and increase us in knowledge. Walhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. And all praises for Allah in all states. Um, so this is a dua that encourages us to constantly push ourselves, constantly, to constantly strive and to seek knowledge. And that's, um, the uh, essential reason, the primary reason why you're here today, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept that from you. Um, in the, uh, the topic that, was, that I was thinking about yesterday uh, to talk about, uh, I thought it's important to discuss what the role of, you're here in a masjid, um, there's something that a masjid is supposed to provide for you. Uh, the, the masjid is supposed to serve as a safe haven. So I thought, why not talk about the role of an imam and a masjid in, uh, in this modern age that we live in? Has it developed? Is it still stuck in the past? Is, it, is there room for, 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 for growth? Um, uh, is it, uh, you know, let's use examples or let's see examples from the time of the Prophet wasallam how these institutions were, uh, were based and what was so important about these institutions, how they impacted those members of the community. Uh, and we need not look further than the life of the Prophet wasallam and Masjid al-Nabawi as our primary source of, of, of guidance. Uh, but before I mention that, there's something that a masjid should always provide. And that's uh, a sense of sakina, a sense of, 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 of peace and tranquility, a sense of salam, you know. Uh, the, the root word for our religion, salam, peace, is something that the masjid should always provide. So if, you, if you're getting that feeling from the masjid, then the masjid and, and its uh, congregation are doing a good job. If not, then something is lacking. Either something is lacking in providing that kind of environment, or something is lacking within us that we can't see that environment. We're unable to experience that, environments, uh, that environment when it's provided to us. There's a a statement which has been attributed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but it is not. That a believer, a mu'min inside the mosque is like a fish in water. This should be our natural environment. 
So when you take a fish out of water, what happens? Right? And place it on that seabed or that river bank, and you'll see that fish will flip and flop until it finds its way eventually back into the water again, because that's its natural environment. And this is exactly the way we're supposed to feel when we walk into our masajid. A fish in water, our natural environment. This is, this is our this is our place, this is our safe haven. But it's the opposite now. I feel like that the believer now outside of the mosque is like a fish in water. When we come into the masjid, we want to stand as close to the door as we possibly can to make the quickest escape. We're the, we're the last to enter and among the very first to leave. What's wrong? Why is that happening? These are questions that we have to ask ourselves. And these are questions for which we must find tenable solutions. Why is it that our masajid don't feel that way? You know, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, when they had any problem, any issue, immediately they ran towards the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. There was once, in fact, a, the first time when they witnessed a, a, a solar eclipse and it, and it went dark and they got scared, they became afraid. They didn't look, you know, get out of their homes and consult one another and say, look, what's happened? What's going on? You know, why is this happening? Immediately they make, went to their safe haven, their natural environment. They ran to the masjid. And said, Ya Rasulullah, is, is, is this Qiyamah? Has the last day arrived? It's gone dark. And the Prophet informed them that it, it is not. And this is just an eclipse. And let's read the Salah for Khusuf, right? Let's read the, uh, the, the prayer for for a solar eclipse. And he informed them. They were companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the likes of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas and Ibn Umar, many of them whom spent their entire times in the mosque of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They saw this, they saw it as their home, their natural environment. And it's important for us to understand as well, it's important for us to see that the masjid is supposed to serve as that primary uh, source of of guidance. If it is not, then something is lacking. Then we get to the Imam. What's the Imam? What are the Imam's duties? I'm just going to list a few of them before we start, start talking back about the masjid again. The primary responsibility of an Imam is not only, not only to lead the Islamic worship, not only to lead the prayers. Yes, of course, an Imam means it comes from the root word Amama, to stand in front of. So the Imam stands in front of the congregation to lead the prayer. But not only should he stand in front of them to lead the prayer, he should be at the forefront of all good works, at the forefront of taqwa, at the forefront of, of, of good character, at the forefront of good deeds. If he is not, then again, something is wrong. So the Imam's role is not just limited to leading the five daily prayers or delivering the khutbah, the sermon on a Friday, maybe praying the night prayers in tarawih tarawi prayers, in Ramadan is so much more than that. Uh, not only the prayers of, 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 uh, for the funerals during an eclipse, prayers for rain and, and more. It should be so much more uh, complex and so much more comprehensive than that. The Imam is supposed to have strong leadership qualities. It's imperative that an Imam does. Why is that the case? The Prophet wasallam he informed us that a leader has, has four qualities that enable him to be the best leader that he can possibly be. The Prophet said, pay attention to this, that a leader has to be soft-spoken. An imam has to be soft-spoken. He has to be kind-hearted, compassionate, 
forgiving and merciful. He has to have that. He has to have certain qualities that attract someone to, to them. Like the Prophet ﷺ himself. The Prophet ﷺ, although خير الله, the best of Allah's creation, the Prophet ﷺ was an individual who people found easygoing. He was soft-spoken. He was approachable, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned. That an Imam, his leadership, among his leadership qualities is that he should be approachable. How often do we find these qualities in our Imam? I often ask myself this question. Because in, in, in my position, we have to ensure that we are approachable, that people can contact us, people can get in touch with us. We can make ourselves readily available for people when they need help, when they require inspiration. And we have to provide that for them. It's a scary thought, you know. Um, I say that, you know, uh, when I came into Southampton uh, eight years ago, Brother Reza said he saw me on my very first day, um, and he can testify to this. And among, there are some of the others, our Honorable Haji Sahib is here, he, 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 he was here, he was among uh, our very first congregants. Um, when I came here eight years ago, I was a fresh-faced 25-year-old, fresh out of, uh, uh, I'd just arrived back from Egypt and I was studying in Cambridge and I came back and um, I didn't have a, a single white hair, you testified to this, not a single white hair. Uh, seven and a half to eight years later, you can see what's happened to me, right? Um, well. It could be for one of two reasons. I did get married three months later, so maybe it could, have been, it could have been for that reason. But I'd like to think that it was a responsibility and the weight of this position that, that what, it makes you old very quickly. It, it makes you wisen up very quickly because that pressure, that, and we have to feel that pressure because if you don't feel that pressure, then something's wrong. That's when room for error comes in. That's when you start to make mistakes. The Prophet Sallallahu listen to this hadith. He said that a believer, he sees his sins, he views his sins like a mountain on top of his head. And he's constantly looking up, afraid that at any moment this mountain is going to collapse upon him. That's how he views his sins. He's constantly in a state of taqwa. Taqwa is not only fear of Allah, but God consciousness, being conscious of Allah, knowing that for all of your bad deeds, Allah Azzawajal is aware. Everything that you do from here on out, Allah Azzawajal is aware. So a believer seeing his sins like a mountain, ready to crush him at any moment, that's the perfect environment that we want to be in. Because we're constantly going to be on edge, we're constantly going to try to, to, to strive and work harder. Whereas a wicked individual, the Prophet said, the wicked individual, he sees his sins or he views his sins like a minor inconvenience, like a fly that brushes across his face and he, swipe, he swats it away like this and he indicated with his two fingers. How beautiful is that example? That don't, don't see your sins as a mere inconvenience. You know, don't see them as, as something, you know, it's just a fly, it's a temporary inconvenience and will go on. No, be constantly afraid, God conscious that Allah is watching you at every single moment. And that's exactly the type of mentality that an imam should have that you know uh, Allah is watching me and I'm in a position of responsibility I'm in a position of authority someone can see uh, if I was uh, you know working my nine to five in an office and I wasn't leading prayers in a masjid and I wasn't delivering khutbahs and talks and seminars and I didn't have a responsibility or role within the masjid and I did something wrong and you saw me do something wrong you're going to try and I hope 
amr bil ma'ruf wa nahyan al munkar you're going to try to enjoin good and forbid evil you're going to try to correct me but it won't change your feelings about your religion or it's not going to try to it's not going to demoralize you from following the tenets of your faith however if on the other hand me in my position and authority as an imam I'm in the streets and you see me doing something wrong, something khilaf al-Qur'an wa sunnah, something against the Qur'an and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa What's going to happen? If the imam of the masjid can do this, right? If the imam of the masjid, someone who we entrust this responsibility of our salah to, he can do this, then what hope is there for me? You know? Then what am I doing? What am I doing praying behind that person? What am I doing even going to the masjid? And I've seen it far too often, far too often where people from a young age have been, you know, sort of uh, pushed away from the masajid and, uh, and some of them have never come back. Uh, and, and for others, they've come back far too late. I, I met with a young brother once. His brother, he said to me, I haven't been to the masjid for like 16 or 17 years. Never. Not for, for Eid, not for Jum'ah. The only time, he said, the only time I, I went into the masjid was when his, his, uh, uh, his grandmother or grandfather had passed away. And he went to the masjid and he said, you know, I, I participated. He didn't even say that I read the janazah prayer, the funeral. He said, I participated in the funeral prayer. That's it. And, and I, you know, that, 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 you know, I became disheartened. And I thought, why? What is it? What was it that pushed you away? He said, you know, I used to have a teacher when I was very young. And this teacher used to, you know, he, was, he used to beat me and he had the stick and, um, you know, he wasn't kind and he wasn't compassionate. And those, the trauma that I experienced within the masjid at the hands of this individual, you know, sort of pushed me further and further away from, from, from the masjid. And I said, you know, that's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? And, and that's the impact that an individual can have. That's how important these, assalamu alaikum, please come forward. That's how important these places of worship are. That's how important this position of responsibility is. And we have to exercise that responsibility in the best possible way. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in a hadith, he said, Ala kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'oolun That each and every one of you is a shepherd and you're all responsible for your flock and the first individual that he mentions i mentioned this hadith before the first person that is mentioned as a shepherd the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the imam he is the shepherd for his flock i.e his congregation and he's responsible for them then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he goes on to say uh, and, and a man is responsible for his household, for his wife and his children, his parents, and he is responsible for them. He is going to be questioned for them. That a woman is responsible for the house of her husband, and she is responsible for her children, and, and, and that's what she is going to be questioned about and then more and more the prophet sallallahu goes on to mention but the first thing that he the first individual that he mentions is an imam and you have to exercise that responsibility in the best possible way before he even mentions the father and the mother he mentions the imam right? that's an amazing uh, amazing example from the prophet sallallahu how leadership is a great quality and every nation's success um 
besides, uh, alongside the other factors, it's, it is credited to its leader, right? And just like, you know, when you have any success and it's credited to the leader, in exactly the same way, when you have failures, it's also credited to the leader. Now, when we look at, we, we, for those of you who, are, who perhaps are um, unaware of, 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 of the history surrounding the Second World War, for, for example, and now we see that there were many, many um, uh, contributing factors uh, to, to, uh, to Germany being de defeated at the end of the Second World War. Many, countless millions of people lost their lives. Uh, many of them from, from, uh, from your background, perhaps people who, who had fought in the Eastern Front. You know, I know, I know my, my grandfather fought and was captured and spent five years in a concentration camp in Burma fighting for a country that he had never been to and he never had any aspirations of going to, fighting on that Eastern Front. Um, but there, you know, there's no mention of them. And when the victory comes, who's there? Who do we remember for the victory? Who's the individual who's the face of that victory? Anyone? Exactly. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, who has his own story, history and, and his background. We're not going to get into that. But he's credited for the victory because he was seen or viewed as the leader of that victory. In exactly the same way, if it was a defeat, the Germans were defeated. Who's the, 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 uh, uh, who, who's the one who is credited with the defeat? It's, it's Adolf Hitler. Not the rest of the German government and the German people. There's not many individuals that spring forth. It's Adolf Hitler. He lost. Winston Churchill won. You see, so that's how important it is to, for us to understand that a leadership or a man who has those leadership qualities has to ensure he exercises them responsibly. And let us reflect on the greatest of all leaders and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, how the Prophet wasalam, he led. He led from the front. You know, when people talk about, you know, when I mentioned right at the beginning that if, if an imam does something which is against the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet wasalam, you see that it might demoralize you, it might push you away from the faith. But on the other hand, if you have someone who you see as inspirational, someone who can provide you with something, you're going to be drawn to them. You're going to be drawn to that individual. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, uh, I, mentioned, I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. When I was studying in, in Egypt in my second or my third year, there was a, we used to have about 20, 22 subjects that we used to study every single year. One of those subjects was called Wasail al-Tabliq. Wasail al-Tabliq was way, uh, is ways in which to do tabliq and da'wah to the people. Now, the sheikh who was teaching that subject and who wrote that book, he lists 17 different wasail. He lists 17 different ways in which to do tabligh and da'wah to the masses. You would naturally think that qawl, speaking, verbally inviting people towards Islam is going to be number one, right? You can't get better than actually conversing with someone and talking to them about the faith. But he lists qawl at number two. Do you know what he puts at number one? Al-qudwatul hasana. To maintain a good character. And Qudwatul Hasana is taken from the verse of the, the Quran, Laqad kana lakum fi hasana. And in the Messenger of Allah, you have the most perfect of examples and perfect of role models for you to follow. And he lists, he, he writes down why he puts Al Qudwatul Hasana in, in the first position. 
He said, you know, before the Prophet ﷺ verbally invited the Quraysh to accept Islam, before he told them and he stood up on top of that mountain and he said to them that if I was to tell you that there's, a, there's an army on the other side of this mountain that's coming to attack you, would you believe me? And what did they say? They said, of course we would. Why did they say that of course we would, O Muhammad? Why did they say that? Because he had 40 years among those individuals. 40 years he lived an absolutely perfect life. 40 years of being a sadiq al-ameen, the most truthful and the most trustworthy person. 40 years because they understood that Muhammad is not an individual who would tell a lie, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's not a man who's going to try to deceive us. He's not a man who's going to try to drive us or turn us into the wrong direction. He's a man who we're going to follow and we're going to follow to the death if need be. They understood that. They knew that because he had all of those 40, that 40 years of beautiful akhlaq, outstanding morality and, 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 and ethics in front of them. That's, what's in, that's what inspired them the most. They were individuals like Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, like Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib, and many of the other companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, individuals who accepted Islam unequivocally, not requiring any proofs or evidences, where there were others who said, oh, oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa split this moon in half so that I can see one half of the moon on one side of the mountain and the other half on the other side of the mountain. And if you are able to do that, then I'll accept your message. There were individuals who didn't require those miracles in order to inspire them. You know, there were individuals who unequivocally believed him because they said, dude, there's something special about this man. There's something, you know, other outworldly about this man. There's something special about him. You know, surely he has to be a messenger of God. Surely he has to be someone who is beloved to God in order for us to, to feel this way about him. So that's, you know, and when you have that kind of leadership, like the Prophet wasallam, then that's when you truly inspire change in others. There were companions of the Prophet Why do we call them Khairun Nas? Best of the people, the, 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 those who lived with the Prophet wasallam. Why did the Prophet himself say that, that the best of people are those who live in my time, my time then those that follow them, and then those that follow them. We, we term them as the... Salafu Salihin, the pious predecessors. Why were they the pious predecessors? What was so special about them that we're unable to attain their state no matter how hard we work? Because these individuals, they were willing to do whatever it takes for the propagation of the faith. They were willing to lay their, la their lives down on the line for the sake of the Prophet and his message. They were truly, they truly had to be inspired by something. Now that's why we have to question ourselves. What is it that our Imams need to be doing more? What is it that we need to be doing more? I question myself all the time. That what is it that I can be doing more in order to inspire the people? And that, 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 that example of seeing or viewing your sins like a mountain ready to collapse upon you in any moment, that's the best position to be in, I feel. Because if you view it that way, you're constantly afraid of making a mistake. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, someone... Um, and there's a brother who said to me that, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I, never, uh, I never engaged in, in alcoholism or, 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 or drug abuse um, when all of my friends were because I was afraid of my father. He said, you know what? I used to think, you know, if my father finds out and somebody tells him, my father's going to, he's not going to leave me alone. Right. And out of that fear, 
he didn't get he didn't engage in in those those types of activities and i said you know what subhanallah that's an amazing thing that you felt that way because that's how you know sometimes we need to feel that that that, that type of encouragement in order to stop us from engaging in that kind of activity i need to feel like what if someone sees me doing something wrong and they might be inspired to to or they might you know be drawn away from the faith or drawn away from the masjid i need that because this, then it's going to stop me from engaging in, in activity which can potentially weaken the iman of others and that's a scary thought so when he, when it comes to the role of of the masjid and creating that environment remember i'm, I'm i think we're we're out of time anyway. Remember the hadith of the, of the, uh, the verse of the Quran, Khudu zinatakum inda kulli masjidin. And I mentioned this before. Allah Azza wa states in the Quran that take your adornment at every single place of prayer, right? Uh, it means wear the best of your attire at every single place of prayer. Uh, and the sababun nuzul, the reason for the revelation of this verse, is that in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi or prior to the time of the Prophet in the days of jahiliyyah, people would do tawaf of the Kaaba. They would circumambulate the Kaaba in the state of nakedness. They wouldn't wear any clothes. And Allah Azza wa revealed this verse. Take your adornment at every single place of, of, of worship. Why? Wear the best of your attire because you're standing in front of Allah. Right? That's the reason for the revelation of this. One of our shuyukh, um, uh, in fact, I was once, it was in a gathering. We were um, of, of, at the time, he was the Grand Mufti of Egypt, uh, Mufti Ali Guma. Mufti Ali Juma, and he was uh, he was delivering a talk, and he was explaining this verse of the Quran and the hadith in relation to it. And he said, you know, nowadays people talk about the zina of the masjid, in and and the zina always lies. The beauty of the masjid always lies in its aesthetic appeal, right? Like sometimes you, when people would often ask me, you you visited Egypt. Well, what's you know what's the most beautiful mosque that you prayed in? What's the best feeling that you got out of any mosque that you prayed in? And I would unequivocally say Masjid al-Hussein, the mosque of Imam al-Hussein in, in Egypt. And, and, and people who had visited Egypt would say, well, you know, there's architecturally, there's much more beautiful buildings like, you know, the Muhammad Ali Mosque or the Sultan Hassan Mosque. You know, the, the, there's much more of a storied history they have and they're more beautiful in their architecture. And I said, but you didn't ask me which one I felt was more beautiful. You asked me where I, where I felt the most peace. And I felt that at the mosque of Imam al-Hussein. You know, so it's important that, you know, we have those feelings associated with it because the zina of the masjid does not lie in its aesthetic appeal. So it, is, it, it doesn't matter how comfortable your carpets are, how clean your wudu areas are, how big your minar how tall your minarets are, how beautiful your dome is. No, these are inconsequential. It matters about the feeling that you experience when you enter these places. That's what matters. The zina, Muthi Ali Guma mentioned that the zina of the uh, masjid lay in its imam and its congregation. We beautify the masjid. And we, at the same time, we can have the most beautiful of, of, of masajid, but if our character and our conduct is ugly, then the masjid will be viewed as ugly. So that's the kind of responsibility that we have. And it's imperative that we understand that. It's imperative that we follow the, the, the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, not deviate from his path. His character, how he inspired people towards the religion, how he accepted people into the religion, how he accepted those who had wronged themselves. Because when we do, when we commit um, any type of evil activity, any sin, we don't do dhulm upon Allah, we're transgressing ourselves. The Prophet ﷺ accepted them openly. 
And he's, he accepted them with open arms. And we should be doing the same. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Very quickly, an announcement that the janazah of um, Sister Saliha Rahman Chowdhury, who is the mother of Saim and Samad, uh, you saw them both here the, um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, the brothers. Um, their mother has been, had been suffering from, from, from illness for, for quite a while now. She had passed away. Uh, we pray inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun that we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate her status in Jannah. Uh, the janazah will take place today at 3 p.m. So we're going to pray as quickly as possible for those of you who need to, uh, to catch the janazah. Um, and the burial will, will, will be held at Stoneham Cemetery uh, immediately thereafter. So please do participate in the janazah. Please do make to us for them, inshallah ta'ala. The janazah at the cemetery.